Welcome to the Alcohol Rethink Podcast with me, your host, Patrick Fox. This podcast is for the guys out there who question the role that alcohol plays in their lives, men who want to stop drinking and don't know where to go or how to start. We're going to cover all of that and more. Let's go. Hi guys and welcome to episode 32 of the Alcohol Rethink Podcast. I've got another awesome guest on for us this week. His name is Kevin Baker. He is a social anxiety coach. He works with guys. He's certified through the same company that I did, the Life Coach School. And he's also a parent of two with a brand new one-month-old baby. So he's got a lot going on, no doubt. Kevin, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you doing? Yes. Thank you, Patrick, for having me on. Doing well. Like you said, uh, a one-month-old can be a bit exhausting at times, especially with another a two-year-old, but it is amazing. It's like the most beautiful time. And I, I just I just love it. You know, having kids is amazing. It's special. It is incredible, man. Like I remember when my son was born, just like sitting him in, on my lap in front of me and you just stare at them, right? <laughs> it's just yeah. like awe and wonder and beauty you just think like you know what is that statistic like seven million in one chance of that one being born you know in that sperm race at the beginning of everything so <laughs> yeah it's pretty special <laughs> yeah it is it is special and you just look at that like you said yeah you just look at that little baby and just think about how you know that was just grown in nine months like how amazing is that, that that child was your the woman's body just knew how to create that. You know, it's really amazing. It is amazing. And, you know, something I find as well, you know, is that obviously when we get older and stuff, people start questioning their doubt and their worth and all of this other stuff. Right. But like, cause they've just been conditioned by that point. But when you're looking at, at, at a new baby, especially your own baby, like they're just, perfect right like they're just completely whole well, not that you're never not anyway as a human but yeah. you just really see it in, in their, all their magnificence you know what's amazing about that too i've noticed i noticed it with my first and then especially with our second my anxiety so you mentioned about like me coaching mm. anxiety and social anxiety it's gone like there's a period of time it's back now but at that moment, <laughs> it's just gone. It's like in their perfect wholeness, it's like my just excitement for life and all of it comes back. And it's like, I don't feel any kind of anxiety. There's like fears here and there, you know, of having a newborn and you want to make sure they're protected and taken care of and healthy. But it's like my anxiety is gone my fear of judgment from other people my like social anxiety completely gone in those moments and and i felt that with my daughter but i didn't know i had social anxiety with her and then with our son i knew it and i'm aware of it and i just felt it completely gone it's like this amazing just sense of relief and it's just and i think you're absolutely right i hadn't thought about it like that but it's like in their just perfect essence it kind of just makes me realize like how I am perfect as well. And I just forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's giving me goosebumps, man. I think as well, well, what I'm really interested in is well, like, what do you think happens? Like, why is it just gone? Like, 
I have no idea. <laughs> That's like the beauty of it. I wish I could bottle that up and know what it is. I don't know. I'll have to try to figure that one out. I wish I could figure that one out because it would be like I would just <laughs> embrace that every single day of my life. I don't know. I reckon is, you know, I, I think presence probably plays a big part because you, you're just looking at what's in front of you, right? Like everything else yeah. just kind of is uh, periphery is just kind of out of the window for you, perhaps. Who I knows? could see that. No, I, I really think that you might have just hit it spot on because there is there's so much presence and so much connection. And it's just, you can feel it, you know, as you hold your child and we'll do like the skin to skin. So you can just feel like that radiant heat coming from your newborn baby. And it's just like, you're looking at their face and just their little like fingernails and their little fingers and their little toenails and their feet. And just, they're like beautiful bodies. And it's just, you're so present. Yeah. I'm not worried about these things I should be doing or what I should be posting on social media. Or if someone's going to judge me, if I say something or have like a conversation, it's like, everything's just amazing. And you just want to tell everybody about this amazing, beautiful being. <laughs> yeah. I, I fucking made that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I didn't make, I didn't do much of it, but <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> I had a little yeah. part of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, People out there probably are wondering, what is social anxiety? Why don't you just give them a little heads up on what that exactly means for you and actually a little bit of your story, Kevin? Yeah, so I'll start out with what social anxiety is and then how I, how I came about knowing that I have it. So mm. uh, social anxiety is just this extreme fear around judgment, at least this is what it is for me. I have a, a tremendous fear around judgment from others. So I never realized it until I, I quit my job back in November of 2019 to take life coaching full-time. And I thought if my back was against the wall, I would be able to just overcome anything. So I knew I had like fears in judgments about myself and other people judging me, but I never realized how how it impacted my life since I was young. So anyways, you know, my back's against the wall. I, I quit my job and I go all in on my coaching business. And I kept just hitting walls and, and being afraid of like posting on social media, being afraid of like putting myself out there for others. How I viewed it is for other people to judge me or to think I wasn't good enough. And what it all came down to is just me not thinking I was worthy enough for what I was doing, you know, I would just tell myself I wasn't good enough. I'm not worthy enough. And, um, so to fast forward through all that, it's just like me trying to pull myself through the mud and, and make us this business successful. And I kept running into walls, running into walls. And one day I gave myself an hour of time where I just sat down and decided I was going to figure out what was going on. I had no idea where that would lead to. I just knew I needed to like pump the brakes because I was trying to keep taking action and keep moving forward without like changing my thinking and changing what I thought about myself. And um, so I pumped the brakes and I just took that hour and I kind of meditated and kind of relaxed. And within probably a half an hour, I was like, I have an anxiety 
around social situations. And I was like, I have social anxiety. I had no idea what social anxiety was. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I Googled it. And I was like, yep, this is it. I have social anxiety. And then when you ask like what it is, I read the definition and I wasn't satisfied with the definition of it. It says that it's a disorder. So it's a social anxiety is a social anxiety disorder is how it's classified. And it's basically how they classify it as like a mental, a mental illness. And, um, you know, that didn't sit too well with me. Um, it gave me relief at first, like to think that I have social anxiety. I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Everything that I had read about it made sense. Like this fear around being judged and just knowing that like throughout my whole life, I've had areas where it's held me back. And that gave me some relief. And then a few weeks later, it brought a lot of shame and a lot of blame. Mm. So I was trying to look for an excuse out. I was trying to blame other people for why do I have this? You know, was it something like growing up? Did my parents do something or did teachers do something or did coaches do something? Like I wasn't taking responsibility for it myself. I was trying to blame other people and in that blame and and in trying to understand it better it just brought me down like a spiral i i i hit like a real low point in my life and even to the point where i was wondering like were my best days behind me you know like what am i living for basically and um that'll happen this year and that was really difficult. I was just like, I was feeling so much pain. I was just like, I don't want to feel this pain, you know? And, um, which is totally bizarre because I have so much to live for. And, uh, you, you know, uh, we had a baby on the way. We have our amazing daughter. I have an amazing wife. I have an amazing family, but it's just, I got stuck in this like spiral of how do I get out of this? And, um, that's kind of when I was just like, you know what, I'm going to figure out all about social anxiety and I'm going to, I'm going to take ownership of this. I don't care that it affected me in my past. I don't care that it affects me currently. Um, I'm going to understand it and I'm going to like help others to understand it as well and, and overcome it too. And it's just like, when I said earlier about like that newborn baby and just wanting to tell everybody about this because it's just this perfect being, as I was just saying that now, I'm like, that's kind of my, my goal with social anxiety is just to help people understand that it's not like a diagnosis means nothing. You know, if you have social anxiety, that isn't who you are. It's just something that you might live with, but it's something that you can overcome and it's something that you can embrace and it's just like you're still perfect in the essence of who you are you know social anxiety are just thoughts that come up and just this tremendous fear that feels really real and really believable but it's something that you can overcome and that's mm. like my mission now is just to work through it myself and just share with others as i work through it Why, oh, yeah mate <laughs> so yeah, thank you for sharing that, man. Like, I think yeah. probably there's going to be a lot of guys out there can resonate with that. I mean, I've had my own experiences this year as well. Uh, and I think, you know, 
there's lots of well there's a few different types of anxiety you know it's that kind of what you were describing there about social going out and posting on social media is like the the response you were having was that that fight flight or freeze that we know about right so it's just your it's like your brain thinks you're in danger absolutely like tell me more about that like what do you what do you see when you think about that yeah it's definitely the brain thinking that there's danger and when I say like so posting on social media, it comes up in so many more areas of my life. I always hated going to the grocery store and I never knew why until I actually like sat with it. And oh, I was shit, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, going to the grocery store causes me social anxiety. You know, going to like parties. I was never a very social kid, really. I wouldn't go to like parties, even in college. I would be more studious than going and going to parties. And I would just tell myself like, Oh, I want to go through college. So then I can get a job as a teacher. Cause that's what I wanted to be at the time. And I was like, this is my focus. This is my energy here. And really it was just like, I would be telling myself that story. Cause that seemed better than, well, I'm really scared to go and meet new people and to go and socialize. It would cut, I would be like physically sick and like, throw up that's how nervous i would get before interviews i would get sick and, and throw up and uh, just causing so much so much anxiety over my body mm. so when you say like that fight or flight it definitely is it just comes up and it's like this just feeling that i'm going to be judged and i think it it comes down what i've when i've done like deep thought work on it it's just my lack of self-worth so i'll believe that i'm not worthy and um then that causes me to think that other people are going to judge me in response you know so i have this fear of being judged because essentially i'm just judging myself so yeah my body will come up and, and fear that and it makes sense right like if in our mind we already think that we're going to be judged and we want to be accepted as humans we want to be in a tribe in a community and I already think that I'm going to be judged by that, those people that I'm seeing as equals or wanting to wanting to embrace me and then like let me into their community. Um, you know, my response is going to be to backtrack and not actually put myself out there. Mm. Yeah, right. Because it doesn't feel safe. Yeah, it doesn't feel safe at all. It doesn't feel safe, right? Like that's our brain's primary function. Um so I think on that point is that's where I find a lot of guys and women when alcohol starts becoming involved, right? Like they feel anxious about going out. And this is something that I've recognized in myself, you know, like it's almost three years since I stopped drinking, but I'm, I'm still reflecting now and learning lessons about like not not like digging for why I was doing things but it's just kind of like becoming more obvious to me over time and I think about you know exactly the same sort of stuff right like wanting to fit in wanting to be part of the crowd now at school that looked like playing the class clown right like trying to get everybody to like me that way yep. but then as I got older it was you know wanting to fit in so it become it became using alcohol it became using drugs as a, as, as a pathway but also to manage my own anxiety of of not feeling connected or not being liked and 
way alcohol works is obviously that the more you drink it to relieve anxiety the more dependent you become on it and then you think that it, the problem becomes a solution so it's a bit of a challenge what do you what do you find with your clients that you work with like what are some of the reasons cues that they uh get social anxiety as well I think a lot of it just comes down to that fear around mm. being judged and having just that sense that you're going to be judged by others if you put yourself out there. Like if you go into this social situation and then, yeah, it does, it comes down to people trying to find other crutches so they can you know go into that social situation like alcohol or like drugs and it's just i don't think people's intention is to become dependent upon it but if you're using that as your way of going into a social situation and it's the only way that you can tackle that social situation where it feels like the only way that you can tackle that social uh, social situation is by having a drink. And I'll hear a lot of people say like, I just wanted to loosen up. I just wanted to relax, yeah, yeah. you know? And then it's like, it turns into one drink and then it's two drinks, three drinks. And it's like, now every time you're going into a social situation or a social gathering, you're having to have those drinks in order to, you know, loosen up. And what's interesting is for me, I never... I never drank. I, I have now, but growing up, I never drank. My dad drank. And I think he, I never talked to him about this, but I think he used it for social situations, you know? And then it became every weekend when we would hang out, like as kids, we'd hang out with uh, my parents' friends' kids and my dad would drink and all his buddies and all the other parents would drink except for my mom. And, uh, it just became one of those things where they would all do it. It was all, you know, socially acceptable, but it's like, then to what, what cost, you know? And for me growing up, I was like, I can, I can never drink because I thought I would be an alcoholic. That was the story I had told myself. If I drink, I'm going to be an alcoholic. And I don't even like to put like a label on something, but at the time, that's what I, I thought, you know, cause my dad, I viewed him as an, an alcoholic. He needed alcohol to, to function in those situations. And um, yeah, so, so that's kind of what, what I see is just like a fear around judgment from my clients and um, using crutches or, or then it becomes like an urge right? where it's like, okay, now I, I feel this need to drink so that I can go into this social situation. Yeah, right. And it, you begin to kind of almost lose sight of the, the reason why you're doing it, right? It just just becomes something that you do. Yeah. Um, another observation I've had of myself this year is even in social situations now, not so much because I'm working on it, but I'd spend a lot of time at the snacks table because I'd rather be eating. And, and what I'm recognizing is maybe that's some social anxiety coming up. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll do the same. It's not necessarily snacks for me, but I'll try to go to someone that I know, you know, it's like, can I attach myself to 
my wife or, or am I going in with like a family member or a friend that I can just stay next to them and talk with them? If I'm in a social situation by myself, Ooh, yeah, I'm like really, really uncomfortable. And, um, but I'm working through it. Like, that's the one thing I'm trying to bring awareness to it. And actually I'll talk about it, you know, like I'll, I'll just now bring it up. Um, we were at a birthday party, like a family birthday party and we were talking and I was, and I just brought up about how I have social anxiety and that, that kind of gets me a little bit of relief. Cause then I can just let people know what I'm actually feeling. I was in the dentist and I was talking to the, um, hygienist about it. And she was, it was funny cause she was talking about her husband. And when she was talking to me and I was talking about social anxiety, she's like, you know, people like me and you, we don't understand social anxiety because we don't have it. And I'm like, no, that's what I'm saying. I have it. She didn't even, she didn't realize that I have it. I think a lot of people don't even realize that other people also have anxiety. You know, mm. a lot of people have anxiety. And the more I talk about it, the more I see that there are a bunch of people that have anxiety, whether it's social anxiety, health anxiety, general anxiety. Anxiety is very, very much real. And unfortunately, sometimes going back to like parties and in social situations, I'll drown my anxiety with like my phone. You know, I'll, I'll like look yeah. something else. I'll just pretend I'm on my phone, like Googling something or acting like I'm texting somebody or something. So I don't have to interact because of that discomfort that I'm not willing to feel in the moment. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I was reading some stuff before we had this call actually about anxiety and they're saying in the U S like over 50 million people like subscribed stuff for anxiety in the U S alone. Right. And it, it's interesting point you bring up is they, if you were actually just to go out and just to observe people, you would, you would notice that right like who's there looking at their phone who's spending the time eating the food who's like wanting to get a drink all of the time because they like and you can begin to see it yeah it does really show up so what i'd love to kind of look at is you identified kind of what it was for you right the fear of judgment mm -hmm. so how did you start working with that i just I started to pay attention to awareness first. Mm. So I had no idea that I was so afraid of judgment from other people. In fact, I always thought I was very confident and had a lot of self-confidence, which I do, but there's this um, like deep fear still that comes up and it, and it just has such a hold that it will take on me. So I, I started meditating and I meditated like a Ram Das awareness meditation. Yep. And I started bringing more awareness into my life of like, what's, what's going on? What's causing me this anxiety? Like what's causing me to not want to actually go to the grocery store or talk to a person that's new or post something on social media. And the deeper I went into being aware of things, I just noticed like thoughts that would come up and I would start to ask myself, why, like, why is this thought coming up? And usually I would just give myself an answer like, 
very surface level. Like, well, oh, just because this is just something that maybe I struggled with in the past or I had a bad experience in the past. And I, so I just don't want to do it again, right? Like if I went to the grocery store and something bad happened or if I went to a party, let's say, and I, and I um, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have a good time. So it's like, okay, so I don't want to go to parties because I didn't have a good time this one time. So it's like, that's a very surface level. And that seems like a realistic response. But then I ask myself like deeper and go deeper into, well, why? Why is it that this one time I didn't have a good time and now I don't want to do it ever again? And then I'll just keep going like next level. Like, well, what else? What else? What else? And as I dove in deeper to almost everything that was causing me social anxiety, it just comes down to this worthiness and like me not feeling like I'm worthy as a person. And once I got to that point, it's like, okay, now let me rebuild from here. So now that I've got to the foundation, let me rebuild this structure that is my thinking, you know, and I feel like our thinking, once we bring awareness to our thinking, then we can start to understand it better. Because how are you going to fix something that you don't actually know you have? For I, I always said, like, my wife has um, health anxiety. And I would say, like, I don't understand because I don't have anxiety. I told her that for years. I never, ever, ever realized I had anxiety until maybe four months ago. I went my whole entire life without having any awareness around it. And now when I look back, I'm like, this affected me into elementary school. This has affected me for 25, 30 years. Yeah, that's it, man. And I think it's just important just to say that anxiety is actually totally normal. I think every human being on some level has anxiety of some sort, right? Absolutely. And you know, when you begin to realize that or understand how it manifests in your life in, in all of those different areas that you just mentioned, then yeah, you can start to get some kind of control and understanding. So I love what you were saying there, right? About finding that surface level answer. Because it can be so easy sometimes, like when we're doing this work on ourselves, like, oh yeah, so yeah, the, that party was shit. So that's that's why I left. <laughs> yeah. But like there's there's always gonna be more, man. Like there's always gonna be more. So like having that introspection, like asking, keep asking yourself why, like from that very curious place as well. Like why? I think there's like that uh the five whys, right? Like, so yeah, why why did I feel like that? Well, why? And then what did I want to feel? Why, 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 why? Just keep deeper, yeah. deeper, 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 right? Um, because our brains have that tendency to want to delete, distort, generalize, right? So something happens and we, we, we are live our life by stories. So it's yes. very easy to like create this narrative that, yeah, well, the reason I don't want to go to parties is because it wasn't very good last time. So that means that all parties aren't very good, right? Like we, we create all these parameters for ourselves. I think yeah. also, you know, one of the, the skills and it is a skill that I'm working with and I'm, I'm teaching through with my clients as well is is getting into your body so for, for anxiety it's very very easy to be in your head right absolutely because you well tell me perhaps you can let me know Kevin like what what goes on in your head as a result of anxiety so it always feels 
in my mind, like the worst case scenario, mm. right? And then I'll find <laughs> all of these other stories that seem like evidence, right? Like, so if I go down that path of I'm not good enough and I'm going to be judged, then I can find stories of like when I did something that wasn't good enough or when I didn't finish something or all of the things that I need to do that I haven't done because of this fear. So it's just like the whole story, it just piles on and it just keeps coming. It's like a wave, like trying to surf in the ocean and you're paddling out and you get hit and then you try to get back up and you get hit again. And it just, the waves just keep coming. And that's what it's like. As soon as you try to deal with it, with just your mind and, and not like paying attention to it, that anxiety will swell. And it's like all these other supporting beliefs. They're like the supporting characters of a really, really bad movie. You know, they just keep coming <laughs> and it's like, okay, I've got this other bad thought and this other bad thought and this other, I don't want to call them like bad, good or bad thoughts. This other thought that's creating these negative anxiety emotions in my life. And that's what I find happens if you don't have awareness. And if you don't just kind of like pump the brakes and like, okay, I'm having anxiety right now because of what I'm thinking. And what I'm thinking is then creating all of these secondary thoughts that are just proving more and more and more evidence from my past. Yeah. Yeah. This just mental what our brains get up to really. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so yeah, it's like that idea that it's like being on high alert, right? Like I think when you're anxious, you're, you're alert because it's that whole safety thing, right? Like that siren just looking out for, for dangers and stuff. Uh, and again, something that I've noticed for myself this year was looking for things that I've done wrong, right? Like I would notice that I would look for the things I've done wrong, which kind of sounds a bit familiar to what you were saying, right? Like looking to the yeah. past. And I think what happens when you're doing that is not only do you look for things to do wrong, but unconsciously you actually start creating things that you want, that you can think that you're wrong about or that you feel guilty about or that you don't like or that you judge and stuff like that. So it, it, it just like perpetuates. Like it was, I was even like getting up in the morning or the middle of the night and straight away my brain starts scanning. It's like, what did I do wrong yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that anxiety brings up all of those other secondary emotions that are shame, that are just like, yeah, like you said, what did I do wrong? Mm. Like it's all of that judgment about yourself just yep. comes pouring in. Here's a judgment again. <laughs> not good enough. And that's what I'm saying. It Like everything has come down for me of the judging myself and me not feeling worthy. It's just, I'll have this feeling of anxiety around something and then I'll just find all of this evidence. Like you're not good enough. This isn't mm -hmm. going to happen. I'm not going to be able to get that done because look at all these other times in my life when I haven't gotten these things done. Another great story I tell myself is I'm not committed. And I'm mm -hmm. not committed just falls right into, well, I'm not committed because I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. Yeah. Even though you've got two kids and a wife. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right, but I'm not committed. Yeah, you're in business. You're still not yeah. committed enough. <laughs> still not committed. Yeah, it's just yeah. the brain is is fascinating. And even as you said about the story of like, well, this party shit, right? It might be that the party actually was shitty that you went to, and that's why you left. 
But when you can know that it's more than that, and you know that it is some kind of anxiety, is when you leave that party and something else comes up for you. It's not just like you left or you're going to go to the next party or the next social outing or the next whatever it may be. And you have this something that comes up, some kind of self-doubt or some kind of judgment in your mind. It's like, okay, now there's something more to this. There's some kind of anxiety that I'm holding on to. And that's when you have to kind of like introspectively look what's causing this, what's creating this anxiety in my life. Because that party is shit is not an actual fact unless it's not creating anything else in your life. Like you can leave there and think it's shit and it might be shit and you don't ever think about it again. But as soon as the next party comes up and you're like, well, I'm not going to go to this party because this party was shit and you have some kind of fear or some kind of judgment, there's something more going on. So many layers, so many layers. And I, and I think as well with, with alcohol is, you know, when you're drinking and you don't want to drink, you're always going to find something that you don't like about it or that you've done wrong, especially like if you're drinking and you can't even remember what happened the night before, like you're just anxious about, well, what did I do last night? You know, what did I say? Who did I upset? Who did I offend? Just like so many different levels to it. And and we know, right, like when we're, we're, we're working with people and even for ourselves, like we get into those uh, emotional states of like starting with the anxiousness and then going into the guilt and the shame and all of those other things is that we're always going to find evidence for it. Like that's the thing because like that's how our brains are programmed. Like they're going to keep scanning. They're going to keep looking for whatever it is that we feed the information. And so, you know, again, it like just perpetuates, right? Like it just heightens it even more. So what I find is that people then like continue drinking, right? But then they don't understand why they're drinking. And it's just, it comes back to what you were saying. It's about, it's about taking responsibility. It's about taking ownership for what is going on like being curious like i love that question like what's creating this anxiety in my life if you want to find it's out such more a simple about question right but how many how many times would someone think to ask that showing up in life the way that you really want yeah. and even as you just mentioned like with alcohol and thinking like what did i do what did i say what did i what could i have that might have offended someone or what conversations did i have i have that without alcohol right like even real life in our conversation now I was thinking like, oh, did I explain that right? Does does that make sense? Like, what did I say? Is that a good way to explain it? And I could even after our call is done, I'll look at it and be like, oh, did I say the right thing? Could mm-hmm. I have said this differently? You know, or I'll, I'll meet somebody new and have a conversation. And then hours later, be like, oh, did I say the right thing? Yeah. Like, could I have said something different there? Yeah. Should I have said that? You know, and I'm like, oh, they probably think I'm an idiot. They probably didn't like me. And I find that in my life that has caused limitations because sometimes I won't show up like authentically in my true self. And I didn't realize I did this until maybe a month or so ago that I tried to, if I meet somebody new, I try to find something, some kind of common ground with them so that we'll like each other, so that they'll like me as a person, you know, and I'll like try really hard to create that connection. So it's like, oh, they'll, they'll like me because we connected. It's like, whoa, 
no, like I, I just need to be again, going back to presence. It's like, if I'm just present in the moment and just with that person genuinely and like being curious about their life and just showing up authentically, it's like, that's a really great conversation. And I don't have to think anything after that conversation is done and over. I don't have to be worrying about it, having anxiety about it. Cause I was fully present in that moment. And, um, that's, that's powerful when we're just present in our life. And then I think that's what helps to eliminate some of that anxiety is just being so deeply present in the moment. It's like, okay, I'm aware of everything. I have this full awareness right now. Mm. Yeah. It's, and again, right. Like presence is a skill. It's something that you have to work on. And like, especially now more than ever, like we've got so much stuff that can keep you completely distracted for the majority of your life to be quite honest right so what would you recommend for somebody who's looking to work on their presence and Kevin I think having somebody that's willing to show you your mind you know I think coaching honestly helped tremendously in my life and this isn't a plug for coaching, but it's, it's truly, <laughs> it truly is something that's just remarkable. That is life-changing and it's life-changing if you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to actually accept that there may be shortcomings or there may be areas in your life that you haven't been willing to like open the door and actually look at yourself. Like there are so many things that we can hide behind and there's so many walls. I know in my life I've put up so many walls Mm. and it's scary to bring them back down into, and it feels like there's a level of vulnerability and I don't know. It's just being able to actually be vulnerable with yourself is like the first step to being able to be vulnerable with other people. And if you're not willing to like get real with yourself and actually become present with yourself and ask yourself like those deep questions of like, why is this happening? That you'll keep those walls up and you'll keep people at bay. And unfortunately you'll keep your true self at bay too. What I've found in this last year of like, not hell, because it hasn't been the worst things that could ever happen, you know, but in my life, this was a real low point, a really exciting point and a really low point in my life where I was just like, I'm not who I think I am. And that was a difficult like realization that I'm not who I think I have been for all these years. And to realize that I'm actually weaker person than I thought. I'm a much stronger person on the other side of that. Mm. But to say that I'm actually like a weak, that I, I am weak and I'm okay saying that because I'm, I'm weak, like fragile, right? Like I'm fragile because I've built up all of these walls that I haven't allowed myself to actually be like true and authentic with myself. So now to have to feel like that pain of being true with myself and knowing that I actually, by trying to just keep myself so busy for so long that I didn't actually allow myself to, to 
sit with who I am, to sit with a, a person that has social anxiety and to be okay and comfortable with that and not to look at it as like a flaw. And maybe that's what I was running from, from all those years. So I just like told myself that I was great and I was strong and all these other things. And I kept up all these walls, but at the essence of it all, I just, I'm a person that is vulnerable. I'm a person that has anxiety. I'm a person that, you know, makes mistakes and um, just all of that. So it's like, it's okay to, to be there with those things and to feel that discomfort. So if I was to tell somebody like where you should begin and what you should start with, you should start with knowing that you're already perfect in who you are. Mm. And it is 100% okay to be weak, to be vulnerable and to allow other people into your world and letting them know that you also are vulnerable and that you also have flaws. And then through that acceptance of your flaws, just like you're going to be this rock solid human being. Like I think about it as like a structure, you know, and if you're willing to say that you're kind of, that you have flaws and like allow people in to support you and to give you the strength that you need and to give you the awareness you need. Think about that foundation. Like it's going to be fucking strong, you know? And as you build up from there, you are going to be the best version of yourself. Again, you're already perfect with who you are, but you're going to become this amazing version of yourself. And you're going to become someone you didn't even realize it was possible. And you're going to look back on that, like holding on to all of those walls and like holding on to that person that you thought you were. And you're going to be like, why was I holding on so much to that person? Because I, that was a person that I, you know, believed all of these stories from my past. And it caused me a lot of like doubt and just judgment about myself. And when you're willing to just kind of release that, the sky's the limit for you it's it's a beautiful place to be sick man yeah it's it's this idea that we're we're perfect and we can be messy as well right like it's yeah. really not a problem and i think i think a lot well perhaps this is the conditioning of males right like we have to be that strong leader authority have things together you know can't be weak don't cry and it's kind of like that's what I'm getting from what you're saying is like that's kind of like the the story that you built up around yourself, and then you're just kind of realizing, well, yeah, what if that's not true, right? <laughs> yeah. What if it's okay to to have my anxieties and and to own them? And what you were saying earlier as well about actually telling people, like when you're having conversations, like being open. I'm like, are you allowed to do that? <laughs> <laughs> but of yeah. course, right? And and I think you know that is. I think society evolving as well, which is that we can just be more open, thankfully, as men as well. And for me at the minute, like my granddad passed away last week. And oh, sorry, it, that, yeah, thanks, man. And it's it's brought up a lot of stuff that I wasn't anticipating. And for me, crying, and I'm gonna probably do a whole other episode on this, but I'll just share it as it's kind of relevant to what you were saying. But the, I like I was thinking about crying and like I want to cry, like my my body is like ready for me to cry right like I feel it come up it gets to my throat my head 
and then I stop myself and yeah. I'm, I've been aware of why that is right because I'm telling myself like I have to be strong you know I can't let people see me like this and like all of this fucking conditioning that we've had over years and years and years like is weak you know and yeah I think we're at this beautiful moment in time where both of us right like we're here to do this work with guys to like help us to work through this to show us that there is a different way you don't have to be carrying that burden of just thinking that you have to be strong you know so yeah yeah there is there's a big conditioning and i remember i told my wife this past year because like i mentioned it's been hard and trying to grow a business with no income and all of that and as the man, you know, I take on that responsibility of like providing for my family. Mm. And when that's no longer there and there's no longer like other things, I just became super vulnerable. And I remember sharing that with my wife at one point and just feeling real weak and real vulnerable. And she's like, where's this all coming from? You know, cause she didn't view yeah. me as this person that has weaknesses either. She's like, views me as, person on a pedestal and i think we carry that around and we carry that like on our shoulders and it causes a lot of just anxiety and tension in our body you said about earlier like going from your mind and sinking in with your body it's like i'll find i'll start having back pain and i'll start having like real tension in my neck over this stress and anxiety that i'm carrying in my mind right because i'm just creating it in my mind and it's so crazy, the power of our mind, right? What we're mm. thinking in our mind can physically affect our bodies. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. That's it. I like, <laughs> I had that reminder that with my granddad because he was in hospital. Like I, I was driving up there. This is a week before he even passed away. But as I was driving up there, I'm having these thoughts like this is going to be the last time that I might see him and all of this other stuff, right? Like this is the last time I might do this journey. And literally, as I was thinking, they were like, I, I could feel it in my body and like sometimes it's really obvious you know like you have a thought you feel it in your body and I think majority of the time it's really not like because that unconscious mind is just kind of running that program in the background which is yeah. why like coming to, to the awareness questioning what's going on for you being open to being wrong like I've done a podcast on that before as well I think that's such an important thing right because the way our brain works we have this who am I which you were saying about like oh this is who I am but it's like well what if I'm wrong about that and the brain yeah. doesn't like to be wrong <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, something my coach always says as well which I love is you know like talking about getting into bodies like it's it's back to breath back to body back to now you know so when you find yourself in a place where your brain is just all over the place or you're, you're going out and you're having the anxieties or even like for guys listening for drinking right like you want to drink because you, you want to be more confident or you want to be able to talk or whatever it might be feeling stressed is just like taking a minute and just coming back to your body right like getting out of your head and like okay so what am I feeling in my body right now like what does it feel like is there a sensation is there a buzzing is there a tingling like can I see it shape where do I feel it most and and it's so, so powerful, Kevin. Like, I'm absolutely loving doing it for myself. I love doing it with my clients as well. And it it can change in an instant, right? Because that is presence in its purest form. Exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Like, that's the way to get immediately present. Take that breath. 
and go back into your body. I know in yoga, it will be like, take a breath and try to feel your feet at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this grounding sense of presence that just comes over you. Cause if you're focused on your breath, your focus is there. It's not on everything else that's going on in your head. And then yet yeah, then to bring it back to your body. And it's like, Oh, I'm feeling this buzzing. And that's it for me. When you said buzzing, I'm like, that's the biggest one mm -hmm. I feel. And when I feel the buzzing, I know, okay, there's something that I'm running from. There's something that I'm pushing off. It's usually something that's causing me anxiety or, or stress or some kind of judgment. And it's like, okay, I'm putting this thing off and I'm trying to ignore it. So if I feel the buzzing and I feel that, I know that there's something that I'm ignoring. So I'll go back into my mind. Like, what am I pushing away here? And then I'll just feel it and I'll just sit with it in that discomfort for, or whatever emotion it's bringing up. And yeah. then I can sit with that emotion and then it just starts to release it. Yeah. And it really doesn't take that long. <laughs> like, that's it a surprising thing, right? Like, years of suppressed emotions can, can, you know, sometimes go in five, 10 minutes of just like sitting and, and noticing. Sometimes what I notice as well is like the, the electricity going through my body. Like I can feel the pulsing. I can feel the, the blood rushing around my body and stuff. Like even that is just quite fascinating. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that's super useful for any guys listening in terms of if you get an urge or a desire to want to drink, right? Like we feel really compulsive to want to do something. It's just, just take a step back, like back to body, back to breath, back to now. All right, Kevin. So this time is like eaten away. So just before we wrap up, I just, is there any kind of last words that you'd want to offer any of the guys listening? Anything that you want to kind of finish off with around social anxiety? Yeah, I would say that wherever you are in your life, it's perfect. So if you have social anxiety right now, it's okay. If you have where you're drinking a lot right now, it's okay. Like everything from your past has gotten you to right here, but it doesn't mean that that's the future you're going to create unless you continue to take steps, continue to have the same thinking from your past. So your future and your past both only exist in your mind. So you can create what you want in your life and you can be accepting of who you are. Even if you might currently despise who you are, you are human and you can accept who you are. You know, you might drink to escape. You might have social anxiety as a way of escaping because really that's what I found too. It's like my way of escaping those negative emotions of like the fear around judgment, right? So it's just manifested as social anxiety, but really it's all it is. Social anxiety is just your thinking. That's it. Like it's just your thinking. It might have this wonderful definition that I hate <laughs> and it yeah. might have all this other stuff attached to it, but it's just your thinking like drinking and being attached to drinking it just comes from your thinking. It might feel like there's an urge attached to it and it might feel like that's a, a fact and it might all feel real in your life, but most of it is all just thinking and it's all just from our past. So yeah. you can create whatever kind of future you want but it does take work and it's okay if you take a step and you fall down because you can take another step and you can take another step and it might take you time and it might take a great deal of work and a great deal of introspective and a great deal of discomfort but change is a hundred percent possible for everybody mm. 
So good. Cause and effect, man. Cause and effect. Yes. <laughs> Wicked. Yeah. And the thoughts, they're the cause of everything. They are. Nice. All right, dude. Final question for you. What does it mean to be radically human? I love this question. And for me, it means being human. So I've just recently, I want to be on like this spiritual journey and I want to find out more about who I am spiritually. And it's not even necessarily about God or religion or anything, but I'm of this understanding that we're made up of light, like this light energy that just exists within us. And this has been a way to help me to overcome like my, some of my social anxiety. So I think that there's something greater within us, like this light energy and just like this presence of the universe too, that's like within us. So I think we have an opportunity to be human and to experience everything that it is to be human before like our soul and our energy moves on to whatever's next. I have no idea what's next. I'm excited to like learn and find out more about all of that stuff. But I think right now I have the ability to know that I have thoughts. I have the ability to see things, see the beauty of the world. I have the ability to taste food and like grow my own food and have conversations with people and meet people. And, you know, like the other day, my daughter and I, she wanted to walk from the car to the house in her bare feet in the snow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, if you really want to do that, we'll do that. So I took off my shoes and I walked barefoot with her. Then she got in the snow oh, and she was like, ah, she like, <laughs> but we did it. Like, that's it to be radically human is just to experience being a human. Cause I don't know what's after being a human. You know what I mean? I don't know what's what energy or whatever, or whatever exists. I have no idea. And I'm excited to like find a little bit more out about that, but I know right now I'm a human and I have this ability to experience every day and enjoy every breath, even when I don't necessarily want to, or when things are going horribly wrong, I'm still a human. And to experience that humanism is amazing. So that's what, to me, that's what it means to be radically human. Embrace it all. It's beautiful. Beautiful, man. <laughs> I totally love that. All right, cool. So Kevin, tell the guys where they can get hold of you. All right. So I have... My website is kevinbakercoaching.com. I'm also on Instagram uh, at kevinbakercoaching. And soon it's in the works. I've got some ideas, but I will be on YouTube coming up. That's my goal. That's what's coming up for 2021. Um, I want to create some things for YouTube and all about social anxiety. So I'm super pumped about that. Sick. Wicked. Looking forward to seeing it all, man. Yes. Get to feel all them feels. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wicked. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. I'll catch you again soon. Take care and bye-bye. If you want to find out more about working with me and seeing how I can help you stop drinking and start showing up in life the way that you really want, visit patrickjfox.com to find out more or book a free consultation using the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care.